We are in our series called The Songs of Ascent. And so maybe you're not familiar with that. Or maybe you were joining us last week where we were uh, following along with Crosspoint Coast Pineda. Uh, Jeremiah opened the series for us with Psalm 120 and gave a great introduction. So if you get a chance, uh, go to crosspointcoast.com and check out that, that sermon. Um, it sets us up for some of the themes that we're going to see throughout our time in the Psalms. So Psalms of Ascent are Psalms 120 through Psalm 134. And they're Psalms that were known as uh, the Psalms of Ascent because there's kind of two different guesses as to why. One is um, that these Psalms were sung particularly by the Jews as they made annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the feast that they would gather for. And so they, they're called Psalms of Ascent because Jerusalem was higher in elevation than many of the towns around it, and so they would actually have to ascend up to Jerusalem. And so this Psalms of Ascent was the going of the pilgrims of the exile of the time traveling back to Jerusalem. But then there's also the idea that um, they would actually sing the songs while they were ascending the steps to the temple. So two different ideas of ascent, but both of them have to do with going up. And so the people would sing these songs, and they would be reminded of who God is and his faithfulness, and they would be even reminded along the way. Before they even got to the destination that God was faithful to bring them to, they would sing the songs of his faithfulness. One of our uh, other Crosspoint congregations has titled the series Songs for the Road. So if you like road trips and going on road trips and singing songs together, then this might be the, the sermon series for you. Um, but the idea is that they would sing while they're traveling. One of the key ideas in both uh, the Old Testament, so the Jewish heritage, and in our New Testament Christian identity is, is our identity as the traveler through a foreign land heading home. We talked about it at community group this week. Just this idea of home. Uh, some of the things that come to mind when you think of home. Adjectives that you would have, whether it's peace or comfort or, or being known, right? Or, or the idea of being able to relax. Whatever it is, your idea of home. And then we talked about what it means to go home and to be with God. So as Christians, um, the Jewish believer at the time was traveling home. He was going to the temple, which was the dwelling place of God. And so as Christians, we believe, and the Bible teaches, that our home is with God also. And one day, we will be home. Either because he comes back to get us, or because we pass on from this life and are finally home. And so that's our joy this morning, is to celebrate that together. Today we're going to continue to look at that in Psalm 121. If you've already found it in your Bible, uh, that's fantastic. If you need a Bible, we have some. We pass those out. Remember our goal this morning during this time, because our tendency is to check out and say, you know what, the, the, this is the time that the pastor or the preacher or the teacher does their thing. But we never want to passively uh, just let time go, right? We are as active. You are as active as I am right now in the preaching of this gospel. We are believing these things to be true. We are remembering them to be true. And then we're asking these questions about the scripture as we go to it. Our hope is that together we are a community of believers pointing each other to Jesus. We together as sinners, as Chris has already pointed out, gathered at the foot of the cross, look 
to God's word for truth. We pray that the hearing of his word by the power of his spirit transforms us into the image of Christ. So let's look together. Follow along with me as I read Psalm 121. It says, A Song of Ascent. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is the shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for your word. We know uh, that it is a gift. God, we know that even to have access to read it is, is a true gift. And not only that, but as uh, in our day and culture, we have access to read it, to read commentaries, to read all these great things written about it, have a greater understanding of it. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it is your gift to us. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, give us ears to hear and eyes to see as we read your word this morning. Lord, we know that it, it is a book, but it's your book, written to display your character, who you are. So Lord, we pray that by the power of your spirit, we would see you today. That in seeing you, we would be transformed and conformed to your image. That we would be changed. God, that's our desire. So we long for it today. We pray that you would do that throughout your church, Lord. Throughout the world. That people would see and know and savor Jesus Christ. God, that you would be good news. Pray that for us, whether it's our first time hearing the good news this morning or thousands of times where we've heard it. God, that you would just produce joy in our hearts as we see your face in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So two weeks ago we talked, uh, we were walking through Hebrews, but, but the same questions that we asked there are, are questions that we can ask whenever we approach God's word. And so those questions were, who is God? Right? What does that mean for us in relation to God? What does that mean for us in relation to each other? And so, whenever we come to the scripture, the first question that we ask is, who is God? Because this is his word. This is about him. The fourth question that we always want to look for, and sometimes it's a little harder, particularly in the Old Testament, is, is what is the gospel? How does that point to Jesus? But hopefully today, we'll be able to see that. Look with me at verse 1. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Well, right here we have the question of the psalm. Where does help come from? The psalmist, right, we're trying to put our, ourselves in, in the time and space where he writes. The psalmist is on the journey to the temple. And he sees the circumstances, the realities of the road, and he looks for help. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Again, we talked about kind of two ways of explaining Psalms of Ascent. There's two ways of looking at this very first section of the first verse. 
I lift my eyes up to the hills. It could be that they're lifting their eyes up to the hills of Jerusalem, right? Where, where God dwells. And so looking up, they see the hills, they see Jerusalem, and then they remember that that's where their help comes from. Or it could be that they're traveling in the midst of mountains and hills, and as a as somebody that's walking, and we don't really have this idea because we live in America where we all have vehicles. Uh, if nothing else, you have a skateboard that you can skate on a nice, smooth path. But that was not the experience of the pilgrims in, in the times where the Psalms were. They're traveling in very, very harsh environments. And so they look up to the hills, and maybe the hills to them look like something that's going to be really hard. Something that they're going to have to traverse, that they're going to have to overcome, an obstacle. But either way, whether it's reminding them of who God is and that he's where their help comes from, or just reminding them that they need help, they ask the question, where does my help come from? That's going to be a little difficult for us as Americans. Um, we don't want to acknowledge that we need help. That's the first step. If you, if you need help, you're weak. And yet, this points to good news that we have. That not only do we need help so we can be honest in our confession of that, like we already prayed together, but we can, in that confession, say, God, I need help. And then we're going to see in verse 2 that he meets us in that moment. Often the traveling that they did was on foot. So maybe if they were, if they were affluent and wealthy, they would have an animal that they could ride, but often it was on foot. It was in the Middle East, okay? So that's going to be different from us. We think hot, and it's a different idea of hot. They think hot, and it's very desert, very dangerous. So they're traveling in the Middle East, and they're traveling often long distances. This is an African shoal with these days, possibly weeks of travel. And so in their weariness, they may look up and see the hills and realize that they need help. Their dangers are different. Right? We, we get hungry, or we might have to go to the bathroom on a long drive. Right? That, those are our dangers. Their dangers are wolves and animals and bandits and exposure to the sun, all of these types of things. So, so try to get out of your mindset of what it would look like to travel, and not just what the song is traveling through. Either way, he says, from where does my help come from? So when the psalmist is looking to Jerusalem, as the daunting hills that he needs to overcome, or looking to it as the place where help comes from, he acknowledges that he needs help. When we say that we need help, we acknowledge that we are not omnipotent. We can't control everything. As much as we want to, and as much as our labor is spent trying to fix things and make life work, when we say that we need help, we acknowledge that we don't have all of it together. That's got to be freeing for somebody here. I know it is for me, right? The fact that I can come before God and say, God, I do not have it together. I need your help. Gives me freedom. So I tell my wife that. Because I don't tell her that very often. But the reality is that when I'm walking in right relationship with God, I can freely say that and acknowledge, God, I need your help. Verse 2, this is the answer to the question, where does my help come from? Verse 2 says, my help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. You see, the psalmist believed that there was no greater display of the power of God than in the work of creation. 
When we read the Old Testament, they usually refer to one of two things when they talk about the power of God. They usually refer to either creation, where God spoke into nothing and created something, or they speak of the Exodus and, and God saving the people out of Egypt and giving them their own place to be and calling them a people. But often, it points to creation, who God is. The Almighty God who created everything that they were walking through, right? Even the hills that, that may have been this daunting thing that they had to overcome, God created it. And so when we rest in that place, we have hope. Maybe today you're struggling to believe that to be true. That's, that becomes our issue. Many of us struggle to believe that God created everything. And because we would struggle with that, because we wouldn't believe that, then this isn't hope. This isn't something that we rejoice in. See, the erosion of our belief in God as creator actually strips away the other promises of God in his word. We think often that we can just pick and choose, like out of the Bible, what things are good, what things are, are easy to believe, and we'll just run with those, and what things are hard to believe, and we're just going to kind of put those aside and not really worry about it. But if we don't believe that God created the heavens and the earth, then we diminish his attributes of omnipotence. The fact that he is almighty. The fact that he can do incredibly more than we could imagine. So we have to cling to that. We have to rest there. That has to be true for us. If it's not, we have other issues. that These other dominoes begin to fall in our belief system. So as hard as it is to believe and to, to, to capture that, wait a second, there was nothing, just God, and then he spoke. And he separated the waters from the dry land, and he separated night from day, and he spoke animals into being, and he spoke man into existence, and he created a help. All of these things, they have to be true. We have to believe that they're true. You see, because once those dominoes begin to fall, we lose sight of the God who is sovereign. If God didn't create, then he may not even be in control. But if we're saying that God is sovereign, then we believe that he's in control. We have to believe that he created everything and he said he did. And we have to rest there. Once those things start to fall, even the idea that he planned to redeem a people through the death of his son Jesus becomes hard to believe. Like all of those things erode that reality. And so we as Christians want to say, yes, I need a savior. Yes, I need a helper. Jesus sounds like a really good plan. Let's cling to that. But the reality is that if we don't cling to all of the word of God, if not all of it is true, then we can't grab those other things. We can't, it's all built together to show us who God is and his word is good. The fullness of it points to the fullness of the God that we serve and love. See, if we begin to say that God didn't create, then we can't believe Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 that says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
His Son is Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. You see, it all ties together. The author of Hebrews is saying, that same God, that same Jesus that you want to believe in for the purification of your sins, that makes you right, that you celebrate and rejoice in, he was there at creation when God created. And so we believe it all. We cannot pick and choose what we believe in the Bible because the whole of the story points to the whole of God. That is where the psalmist is finding this rest, this answer. And he clings to it. He says, no, my help comes from the God who created the heavens and the earth. And if he created this path that I'm on, and he created these rocks, and he created the cactus, and he created all these other things that I'm worried about, he's in control. And that's got to be hope for him. That's got to be hope for him. I'm going to pick up the pace a little bit, go on through verses 3 through 8 together. It says, He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Verse 5, The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. It's a lot of keep. Right? When you, when you read through it, you see that word keep. Sometimes it's translated as guard. But there's a, the God of the universe is keeping us. He's guarding our lives. As we press into the idea of a sovereign God, we see that as maker of the hills, the sun, the moon, the animals, we see that he is in control and can protect. He will not let your foot be moved. For us, a, a simple slip isn't that big of a deal. Right? Kids do it all the time. They bang up their knees, but it's okay because we've got antiseptic, we've got Band-Aids. We'll be able to take care of it. But for a, a, a Hebrew on the road back to Jerusalem, if they twist their ankle, if they slip and fall, that's a big deal. So they're trusting that God will keep their foot on the path. A turned ankle meant that you wouldn't make it to the temple festival. And that's a best-case scenario. A worst-case scenario means you're stranded in the middle of nowhere, and you may not make it at all. So they trust in God that everywhere they put their foot, he's got it in control. They continue on in, in 5, it's shade from both the sun and the moon. Remember, we're talking about a desert sun. Now, we have a hot sun here in Florida, so this wouldn't be as hard to imagine if you were, as if you were in Wisconsin or, or Washington State where you don't see the sun. Right? But it's still different, right? The desert sun was a powerful uh, force and could really do some harm. And so this idea of shade is found, this idea of being covered by God, it's found throughout the psalm. Psalm 17, 8 says, hide me in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 91, 1 and 2 says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, is in my trust. You see, so the idea of being in the shade, being covered by God, was very tangible to them. So they rested. They knew that, A, he wouldn't 
He would take care of them while they were traveling, and he would take care of them while they were resting. He would be with them wherever they went. This next little portion is pretty, pretty neat. The moon was thought of as causing madness. You've heard the word lunacy, a lunatic, right? That's somebody who's crazy, and we get it from lunar, right? The moon would cause this madness, some would believe. And so God was protecting them from, from lunacy, from being crazy, right? One commentator pointed out that, there, that these are both rational fears, right? The rational fear of the sun, that seriously, you could get hurt. And the irrational fear of the moon. Can we, can we just, in this kind of crazy moment that we are in, thank God that he is both the comforter and the, of both rational fears, that he takes care of us in the midst of that, and in our irrational fears. God is sovereign, and he's in control. That's a gift to us. And so what kept the traveling? What was it that protected him? We kind of glossed over it, but at the end of verse 3 and, and verse 4, it says, He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. You see, it's the character of the keeper, of the guard, of the watch, that allows the one that's being kept to trust and to rest. Keep watch, that's a military term. Um, I only did it a little bit when I was in the Navy. And even then, sometimes it was pretty diligent. Sometimes it wasn't, to be honest with you. But this idea of keeping watch is going to be way more diligent than that. Because the one who's keeping watch is diligent. He's omniscient. He knows everything. Who better to have keep watch over us than the guy that knows everything? God, the omniscient one. He does not sleep or slumber. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary. And he knows what's best for us. Others rest because the watch is awake and alert. If we experience any rest, any joy, any comfort in life, it's because we have the one who is keeping watch. We have God Almighty Himself, creator of the universe. And that's where the psalmist goes with these last two verses, seven and eight. It's a, it's a fully kept. You are fully kept. It says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. See, the, the God that we have is keeping watch. Keep watch at all times, in all places. Whether we're going out or we're coming in, that's everywhere. He keeps from all evil. Sometimes, and I think this is where we kind of get the rub sometimes. We're like, man, but I've experienced some things that are hard. It's, it hasn't all been felt like my foot's being firmly planted with each step. Sometimes it feels really hard and it feels like suffering. And how is that not evil? But the God who keeps us from the evil one, who keeps us from evil, is the one that's going to bring us home. That we might experience suffering and trials along the way, but we will make it home because he's faithful. He's good. He keeps our lives. I was taught lately for us as a, as a family to believe because we've had loss. 
here, like, how is that keeping with, he keeps our lives. But the reality is that if I believe that God is bringing us home, and no matter what, he's faithful, then I can trust that to be true. God has kept lives that I've known and loved and feel like I've lost. God's faithful. Now and forevermore. For, from now through eternity, God will continue to be faithful. And you know why we can trust that? Because we look at his word and we see his faithfulness throughout all of us. We believe by the power of the Spirit that he's going to continue to do that. Psalm 139, 7 through 12. When we think about going places where he can't find us. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. What a gift to be fully kept by the creator of the universe. What does that mean for us today? There's an old covenant that talks about the Old Testament. There's a new covenant that we find in Christ. So what is our assurance to make it home, and where is home? How does God keep us today? I want to look at a couple verses in the New Testament. Jesus keeps us. This is Jesus praying to the Father in John 17, Verses 10 and 11, he says, All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, in verses 4 through 7, he's reminding them that they are kept in Christ. He says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peter, the church, in 1 Peter 3, 5, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. You see, we are fully kept in the love of Jesus. We have been redeemed to God. We have been brought to God by the Son. We couldn't do it ourselves. We needed help. And so we looked to the one who created, and he sent a Savior, a helper, Jesus, the Son, that reconciles us to God. Romans 8, 38, 39. Let me think about what can separate us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. This morning, if you are in Christ, you have the same hope that the psalmist has. You can cry out and say, I know where my help comes from. The Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. Maybe this morning this is the first time you're hearing this, and you're like, man, I want to have that I want to have that assurance. It's available. We can, we can ask God. And He is faithful and just to forgive us of where we try to do it ourselves, where we pursued our own abilities, where we've tried to, to fix ourselves and make ourselves good enough. You will never be good enough. 
But you have a Savior who is Jesus Christ has come and laid down his life for sinners like you and I, that we can be reconciled to the Holy God. That's our hope this morning. Our hope for making the, the journey home is the same hope that the psalmist has. The Almighty Creator God guards and keeps his people on their journey, protecting them from anything that would prevent them from reaching their destination. That's good news for the, for the traveler on his way to Jerusalem. It's good news for us. We will reach our home with God because the omnipotent Father God will keep and guard those who are in Christ through the work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we thank you for the reality that we are kept. God, that as we journey through life, you set our feet on solid ground. As we have rational and irrational fears, Lord, you meet all of those needs. Lord, as we uh, long for home, God, and we taste and see that it's good, Lord, you promise home to us. You promise that we will be with you. So, Lord, that's our hope. We thank you for Jesus, the one who has made a way for us to be with you. We rejoice in him. We just thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. In your name we pray. Amen.